more overview. This is really kind of recognizing this potential for the turning as we see the condition to rising starts with this kind of movement that seemingly marches on or rolls on towards dukkha. That's that's a kind of almost like a downward movement. These conditions combining and merging and combining to draw one down. There's also conditions that do exactly the opposite. That you know, start from the bottom and go on up. And lead from dukkha up to liberation. And um, there's one renowned one. This is a teaching given Savati, seeing that connected discourses of Sanyuti Nikaya 12, 23. Because I say the destruction of the taints, asava, is the Pali word, from something like, if they translate it as taint, it's uh, perhaps a little more turbulent than that. <laughs> it's a kind of a reflex. It's not a decision, it's a reflex flooding, flowing out. So the mind just leaks out, rushes out. Something gets in, the mind rushes out. And these are three asava, sometimes four, described, have this quality to them. One is the asava of uh, sensuality, that's the mind, rushes out towards sense data in order to find comfort and fulfilment. You know, a cup of tea, something like that. <laughs> so that reflex. And it turns towards the sense fields for comfort. Uh, problematic because the sense fields only provide a kind of momentary relief from a discomfort that's much more deeply embedded in the heart which is caused by ignorance depleted blind spots places where the energy is not flowing uh, places where we're not alert therefore it's very uncomfortable therefore it's flooding out one flood is movement of Asavar is towards sensuality one is towards um, becoming which means in this sense, kind of building up an ego project. <coughs> building up an ego project. I want to say more about this term ego. It's just a handy term, but let's not bash your ego too hard. <laughs> there is a, a realistic and sustainable sense of self-awareness and measuring things in terms of one's potential and that's accurate and wise. You need a kind of relatively functional sense of self, otherwise we become psychotic <laughs> or completely deluded. But when this becomes uh, dominant uh, to the point when this almost uh, gobbles up experience in order to fortify one's, one's sense of self-importance, this asava of becoming can go into um, building up all kinds of um, 
habits that fortify my sense of importance or prestige. It could be wealth, it could be power, it could be status, it could be acclaim. I become a famous person, I become a powerful person, I become you know, above the rest. And in that becoming I don't notice, I don't have any weak spots. It takes me away. It's a movement away from dealing with the weak spots, the blind spots of ignorance. Moving away. These are reflexes that throw us away from dealing with um, um, the results of ignorance. And ignorance itself is an outflow whereupon it becomes not just an absence, but a strategizing absence, (laughs) which means I deny things exist. It becomes a little more than just a feeling of disconnection. It means uh, it floods into that doesn't count, that doesn't exist, that doesn't happen, I'm not like that. You know, a complete kind of denial. So there's this flooding out uh, of that. These are so up. And they have to be, he said, destroyed. Potent word, strong word, but certainly eradicated, clean, cleared. uh, and uh, remember all these are still fluid now you look at a whirlpool a whirlpool has the power to suck people, boats in, depending on how big it is, it's a vortex the power to suck you know, everything into it and yet if you move the rocks around and change the currents that whirlpool can disappear you see a vortex in a mountain stream right? you've got rocks, the vortex appears in the mountain, in the stream as the goes through the rocks, you get these kind of turbulences, and you think, get that thing out of here, get that thing out of here. Get, I, want the, I want it to be clean and clear, I want it to be still and calm. So you just stay, take issue with the vortex. So no, if you remove the rock, the vortex won't fall. <laughs> and the rock is ignorance. <laughs> so what does this mean? It means we start to turn back towards the heart rather than flooding out. Okay, what's this feel like? What's needed? What's appropriate relationship with that disoriented, agitated, feeling of incomplete, not good enough, need something? What's this? Don't just suppress it, but what's really needed? And then if that's cold, in a cultivated atmosphere, the heart brings forth qualities of clarity, groundedness and compassion. And these, over time these forces, these qualities, these positive forces begin to unravel the vortex and eliminate the ignorance, the blind spots. Okay, so destruction of the asava that's also synonymous with liberation so uh, one one term that's used uh, in many of the suttas is the hearts of these people were liberated from the asava the chittas were liberated from the asava through non-clinging and we've seen directly you know, hearts of these bhikkhus with, they were completely <coughs> were liberated from the asava so Pretty, pretty important uh, reference point. These compulsive psychologies, uh, 
that are there to, to, to um, you know, take us away from the pain, you know, discomfort of the unknowing, the ignorant, the absence. You know, absence of presence, absence of awareness, absence of potency. So to really build up the resources to bring that around. Much cultivation is just about we may know we need to do it, we want to do it, but we just can't do it until we've built up the resources. Too powerful. So, how does this happen? How does the destruction happen? So the first thing is said that the Buddha says, well, okay, you know, and he works down the, the list of dependencies, dependent conditions. Is the nearest one right at the edge of realization, when you're actually just about to clear it, what, what occurs is there's a recognition of all these perceptions, feelings, volitional tendencies, it's all impermanent, changeable, it's not so. Just, this is water splashing around. You know, rather than me and my state, you know, my histories and what I should and couldn't, never was and what. Which, so the, all these topics that the mind brings up, so this is just energies, forms, perceptions, feelings, volitional tendencies, activations, and they're all just arising and passing. And that's, that's the proximate realization. That's the proximate realization before full realization. So you're right on the edge of it. So, you know, an average person will, will tend to see things as if I could change that or if I could change them in some areas, then if I could change myself into being another way. No, not really. It's not quite, it's not quite what it's about. Because <laughs> who's this self? And so the, 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 the brink of that is the recognition of all this problematic experience is not a person at all. It's just a series of conflicting energies and programs that are colliding around and have been resolved. And they're felt. As they're felt, there's a reaction to them. So they get activated and flare up. We touch our sensitive points and the thing flares up. They feel, contact, feeling, perceptions. These flare up and we're in the flood again. We're in the story again, in the history again, in the I am never this again, in the I am should be this, in that again. All the stories erupt with this us of an outflow. So, you know, what doesn't sound that significant is just to recognize a realization this is just stuff moving around, and as a now, somehow, there's enough space to step back and see it just as that rather than I'm in it and I kind of try and get out of it and so so yeah. so liberation knowledge of destruction Cause that is liberation from being gripped by these. The liberation, um, powerful word, but it's a relative term in, in Buddhism. There's what we call final liberation, which is nibbana. Liberation, otherwise, can be seen as for the last hour I've been liberated from ill will. 
great. <laughs> you know, so it can be a very much more relative term. Like, you know, I certainly have liberated from addiction to cars. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's good. So notice what you notice your liberation potential wherever it occurs, however modest it may seem. Yeah. Because that which was gripping and fascinating or obsessive or really frightening or well it doesn't do that anymore. Oh well, there's a breakthrough. So these breakthroughs occur as pinpricks in or snips in the web. And sense, what's it like to sense that which was extremely constricting? Oh, it's not there. But I'm there, or something's there. This moment can be quite momentary. And the touch of liberation, the touch of it, in the touch of liberation, it's just, there's nobody there. It's just the heart feels free and open. And in the moment of liberation, well, obviously, why not? Suddenly, the things that one was obsessed with, how did I ever get caught up in that? And, but then inhale the fragrance of freedom whenever it occurs. We're not completely ignorant, otherwise there'd be no possibility. Ignorance is not a fixed thing, it's conditioned. If those conditions are removed, it disappears. So, yeah. Is there any significance to this figure of speech? There is a cause, it does not lack a cause, or is it just giving emphasis? Emphasis, these are oral teachings, so he's probably making the point. And that's why sometimes you see entanglement, shackled, bonded, attached. I got it the first time. (laughs) (laughs) No, you didn't hear rabbit home. It's rhetoric. (laughs) So then what is that liberation, that temporary or that moments of liberation? What was the condition that supported that? And then the Buddha is saying, well, the near cause of that is dispassion. That is, there's a sense of emotional disengagement. Just, it's like that. Dispassion. So it's, with dispassion, is the engagement of I should, it could, why was I, how am I? It's, it's like that. the non-injection of more passion, turbulence into the mix. The withdrawal of emotional energy um, from that problem. Another participant asks, how do you withdraw emotional energy? Mm. Well, how do you withdraw emotion? Let's have a look. What does the Buddha say? (laughs) Disenchantment. Disenchantment is like, um, I've had enough. I've had enough. Um, I've got nothing more to say about myself. I've got nothing more to kind of keep nagging myself about. I've heard it. 
I've heard it. I've had enough of doing it. It doesn't go anywhere useful. I've complained about myself for the last 50 years. It hasn't done any good. Just kick the habit. <laughs> enough. It's like this now. I've got to accept it. Uh, that's a simple example. You know. In some sense, then, because of that, you know, disenchantment with all the strategies and the programs to make things other than they are in this kind of neurotic way Uh, so then dispassion okay I'm like this now this is this is how it's built okay so from the dispassion fed up not had enough of constantly fidgeting denying complaining blaming all those, all those understandable reflexes are not going anywhere useful. There's a point at which, and it's unknown when that point will be, <laughs> when the chitta says, enough. And <coughs> enough of that. And therefore, there's this you know, giving up those strategies. And then dispassion <coughs> means the whole emotional temperature drops to just something cool uh, and the coolness is actually much more expansive we can heart gets wider there's room to accommodate uh, disagreeable perceptions mm-hmm. particular perceptions of oneself there's room to accommodate the fact that I'm a, not a perfect person because um, there isn't one. Living with one's living with oneself as if one is a one's cranky old aunt. <laughs> oh, okay. Then, then you realise there's something there that's not that. Oh. So there it is. What's the cause with disenchantment? The knowledge and vision of things as they really are. Yatabhutang means it's become like this now. Dasanang, seeing, revealing. Things are revealed as it's become Buddha. That means that's the past participle of Bhava. It has become. Yatabhutang. It's become like this now. I see it's become like this now. This is how it's become. What does that mean? <laughs> it means my psychological structures are formed in this particular way. They become like this, dependent upon causes and conditions. You know, I've got weakness spots here, I've got tendencies there, I'm a bit short-tempered here, I get passionate about that. And well, that's because of causes and conditions. It's become like this, rather than I am. And that goes not just for me, but for everything, for everybody. <coughs> everybody is right now the results of causes and conditions. That's what we're experiencing. We're not experiencing finite, closed people as finite, closed, eternal beings. We're experiencing the results of causes and conditions arising in the present. 
Some of those may be conditions that are established at the age of two, 25, could be just changing the weather, it could be any, lots of causes and conditions coming in, creating this person to come like this now. Now that may sound like a bit useless, but it doesn't mean we're saying, great, fantastic, or it's bad. So again, the withdrawal of emotional energy around that. It's like that now. And that allows things to change. If it's become like this, it can become like something else. It can change and shift. But whatever it's become, whatever it's formed, has formed from conditions, rather than being innately a person. So, in other words, we have to start where we are right now. It would be nice if I'd have been this. It would be nice if I'd have been another time, another place, but it's become this now. Okay. So. Uh, therefore, the one is moving out of denial, blame, identification, into something much more dispassionate. What enables seeing things in that way? Unification of heart samadhi because the heart is unified collected, gathered its energies are collected and gathered it's not running out into should be, could be what happened it's not running out into all these volitional programs so that prepares and is necessary to samadhi is a in this case is a necessary quality to get the energetic strength capacity to stand free from the flood of reactivity and so reactivity that's, that's what we're looking at it's his fault, it's her fault, it's because it's wrong, it should be another way. It's like this now. We don't, it's not pleasing, it's not agreeable, it's like this now. Now to, to, to be able to hold that awareness, with not as a kind of um, lassitude or indifference, but as a sense of understanding causes and conditions that brought this into being. Our heart has to be able to stand free from its natural reactions of grief, rage, despair, or intoxication. So these are not just intellectual tweaks or psychological understanding. It does require the heart to have the energy to steady in itself. Otherwise, it does rush out into what's called citta sankara, emotional activations. And samadhi then, as a, as a, gives the strength and the fortitude to be able to um, be present with conditions. 
must be borne in mind with all this conditionality that these, these are not necessarily inevitable. It means one could have samadhi but not develop <laughs> uh, true insight because you grasp the samadhi. You see, so it's, it's, a, it's a dependent condition but it doesn't necessarily, it's not an immediate inevitable consequence that through samadhi you gain vision. But it's a, it's a necessary condition. But not an inevitable condition. That's why we, you know, samadhi, gathering the heart, then, you know, insight. This is the process of insight. So samadhi is the process of samatha primarily gathering and collecting energy process of insight is meeting you know, conditions in, in the conditioned reality like unsatisfactory conditions social circumstances personal issues meeting that which needs to be untangled and what's so one of the phenomena that we are able to label spiritual bypassing means we stay with our, in our spiritual potency which may indeed have validity to it and we think we've got it all accomplished because I never go towards the places where, I, where I'm kind of where I get triggered I use, I use some spiritual process to avoid <laughs> meeting circumstances which will actually bring up unresolved tendencies. So, you know, somebody was, guess the monastery is saying he had a very pleasant retreat, three months solitary retreats, it's great, really enjoyed it. Got into some very nice samadhi, gained a lot of joy, piti, jhana. This is good. And something said, this is good, but. So then he came to the monastery and said, oh, this is great. Because as soon as I'm with people, I can see all my programs start work firing again. <laughs> I feel a sense of guilt, inadequacy, <laughs> frustration. <laughs> Great. <laughs> now I can really get into looking in some of those, those conditions rather than avoiding them. So, but without that uh, strength, then you don't have the potential. But if you just cling to the strength, you don't deal with the business. There's the kind of, you know, there's the, um, the balance. So then he goes through the conditions that support samadhi, happiness, ease, mm. tranquility, soothed, feeling soothed, comforted, soothed, rough edges, gone. If Frittering agitation, calmed down. Yeah. Jitteriness, soothed out. Result, sense of ease. Mm. Rapture, something feeling buoyant. Yeah. Buoyant quality of heart. Yes, yes. Good qualities are arising. Gladness, pamonja, the ability to, to celebrate. To acknowledge goodness and to rejoice in it. 
and faith, sattā. So, look at those sequence. So, we look at it the other way around, start with faith. Faith is the heart intuition. These are all very much heart conditions, heart conditions rather than sensory conditions. Heart condition, faith. There could be something more. There could be a way out. There is a potential. There is the potential. Um, something, something meaningful, something to be done here. Something could be done. Yeah. So that lights the, the fire, if you like, gets things going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, pamoja means one's gladdened whenever you find something that confirms your faith. I, I really have faith in human goodness. When I see this person acting this way, I feel gladdened by her actions because it's confirming human goodness. I feel gladdened. Pamoja. And it may be, it could be the case that just occasionally I'm gladdened by my own actions. Yeah. yeah, I did manage to stop doing that. That silly habit, I stopped doing it. Oh, great. I managed to, you know, just cut out some of those little cutting, snipey remarks I used to enjoy making. Stop that. I don't have that nagging feeling of regret. <laughs> I'm gladdened. So this is kind of celebration. A very important thing to to do is heart cultivation. Um, important and also to 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 know the process. This is not intellectual. You see, so often, okay, did that, fine, great, next thing. Yeah, I'm a good person, did that, done prep the precepts, very good, typify precepts probably, well, probably best did a good shot at it. Fine. Well, speech was a little bit defective, but never mind. You know, got a little bit of meditation done, you know, and that. So that's yeah, that's true. But did you get into the heart quality of? I cultivate harmlessness. You know, my heart resonates with concern for other beings. How beautiful! You know. I value honesty. I value straight speech. I rejoice in straight speech when I hear it, when it happens for me, when I make it. I'm gladdened by that, by that honesty. So it's not just the naming things, it's the rejoicing in the, in, in the direct qualities that are present. Uh-huh. Yeah. Coming into, the, entering into these dhammas. Entering into them. And this entering into is a is a good way of of reframing what we mean by practice. You don't practice samadhi; you enter it. You don't practice faith; you enter into that territory of finding yourself gladdened and opened. So it's a much more participatory 
experience when you, you kind of open the heart with its vulnerabilities and sensitivities to allow yourself to allow the heart to be touched by faith and you enter into that territory where possibilities because as that I'm in that territory I start to think oh maybe I could do that yeah I'll try that when I'm in this territory I think well I could have a go at that yeah maybe I'll do that so you know, entering the territory of faith means certain potentials become things you're prepared to take a chance with because you have confidence. Rather, well, I you know I can't do that because I'm not trained, I'm not an expert, I'm really just you know not a very good person after all. Yeah, stop doing that. The faith is try. You can try and look at what's just within your reach what you can rise up to. I can at least, I can reach out and just work on my speech habits. Yeah, I can give that a try. I'm not sealing myself off into a stuck state. Faith is such a, is the primary condition for liberation in this sutta it could be because you meet someone who inspires you you think well she did it oh you know wow listen to her life story that was a bit rough but she she worked through it I'm inspired and uh, the Proximate condition, the arising of faith, dukkha, <laughs> suffering. Now, again, it doesn't mean that because you suffer you'll have faith, it means <laughs> some people don't. <laughs> but it's a condition. Now, if you, when you listen to actual anecdotes of people who, who had realizations, They've got to the point of desperation, frustration, dukkha, addiction, and they've managed to come out. Through come out of that, yeah, and that's inspiring. Not everybody who got a fantastic deal on day one. So, but people who had a really rough time or some difficult circumstances, and yet the dukkha of it, something said look, this is miserable, this is horrible, and I'm going to, there's got to be a way out. There's got to be a way out of it, so you don't get crushed by it. And again, this is mysterious as to why um, some people manage to experience very difficult situations uh, and come out, and some people just cave in and uh, collapse. In which case, you know, in those cases then, still not all over, because it can be that another person has faith in you. So, you know, you consider yourself a write-off. I don't so sore. I don't think so. See this point. See this point. You can do this point. It leads you until you get faith yourself. But if there was no dukkha, 
in conditionality, you wouldn't bother to rise out of it. If it was all satisfactory, there'd be no path, no no need to go anywhere. It's because of the loss of loved ones, it's because of psychological afflictions, it's because of feeling stuck and addicted, it's because of being hopeless and useless, (laughs) that something says, this guy's got to get out of this. (laughs) And... uh, you, know, you see something and okay, let's go that way in so many cases uh, it's the sight of another another one of my heroin addict friends as he'd have quite a few <laughs> his turnaround was meeting a Tibetan lama who was walking down the Harrow Road in London <laughs> just kind of, I don't know where he's from, he's just kind of strolling along the road, Harrow Road which is a fairly you know, average kind of main street in London it's not a place where you find faith would be normally rising <laughs> but it's Tibetan Lama's kind of strolling along comfortable smile on his face and, what's he doing here you normally there's people kind of busy annoyed brawling there's this guy in the middle of it all just <laughs> cheerful who are you then <laughs> uh, uh, you see the sign oh someone says someone looks at you and says you too have Buddha nature (laughs) (laughs) what? (laughs) what's that mean? (laughs) I'll give you some bit of Buddhist terminology but actually look at you with it doesn't what they say they look at you with a sense of friendship and oh yeah you can do it too come on you know so these things can trigger trigger, touch something you didn't realise you had it's buried under the despair and the conviction in one's affliction so I I refuse not denying I have afflictions but I refuse to be convinced by them from Dukkha and then we go through all the conditions of the arising of Dukkha which is this dependent origination thing we've been looking at faith and as we saw in the previous example associating with good people people of integrity that's a prime condition for the arising of faith do you see how interconnected this all is this is not me on my own figuring it all out for myself this is the humility and the openness to enter into this mutually shared conditioned field be open be porous, be permeable be open to potentials of self and other, wherever it arises keep your keep your mind alert to that possibility sometimes a realisation pops in by itself sometimes something you see is enough of that or sometimes it's somebody else who says it or leads you to it it's in the field it's in the field that's why the Buddha said this human field is the best field to cultivate because it has this in it the human field whereas um, you know in Buddhist cosmology you have these high spiritual fields, deva fields, where the devas are living in these 
wonderful, uh, uh, happy existence. Yeah, these are these kind of Buddhist spirits living in the spiritual world, and mostly they're kind of a bit foolish because <laughs> they get intoxicated with their happy. No, they're fine. He's fine up here. <laughs> yeah. And it goes on and on and on because they don't get enough. You see, human human life is sad enough <laughs> to make you wake up. <laughs> make you want to wake up. And it's short enough to recognise here comes the grey hair, <laughs> what's happening next, you know. The day of a life is like, I don't know, it's supposed to be millions of years, you think, yes, it goes on forever. You don't wake up, why bother? <laughs> Another question. Regarding the role of being inspired, I was thinking about the Buddha's own journey his movement towards the path was from seeing the fourth messenger, the samana who moved him. If he hadn't been open to that... And he wouldn't have been open to that one if he didn't recognise everything else is looking pretty shabby. Suddenly this grubby old fellow who looks like a nobody looks like it's pretty good because his, you know, his countenance is serene and bright. And uh, that's often the phrase that used. It comes down to the, the human being itself, the human being, is the, the, the qualities palpable, manifest human being, acts as the sign of this seemingly ineffable Nibbana that we can never quite grasp, but that's the results. <laughs> so it's very important as a practitioner yeah, there are many things I'm sure that we can get snagged into that make us feel diseased, unhappy, you know, stuck, uh, always stuck there again, never get it right. Plenty of those things. Don't give attention. Don't give careless attention to that. Don't let yourself get bamboozled by these negative scripts and programs. Give attention to where your faith arises. Give attention to where you can be gladdened by any good deed that you do, even if it's just the refraining from bad deeds. You know? Like how big, you know, a spark. You, if you fan a spark long enough, it will turn into a flame. <laughs> because that, then that, that faith is the beginning of the emergence of the chitta. This process is, can also be understood to be the, the emergence of the citta, so it becomes more powerful, more powerfully felt than the flood of sense, sense consciousness and the flood of psychological reflexes. That's just the program. It's just my inadequacy program occurring. My heart is above this. Faith is the beginning of that emergence. It's fanned, gladdened, ripened, cultivated, strengthened. Then that's the sequence. Yeah. Another question. At some point we want to be skillful and pay attention to those problematic tendencies. So maybe being caught up in that negative script is like getting caught up in a judgment. There is even careless attention and wise attention. So careless attention is superficial 
what's called yoni somnisikara, careful or deep attention. Means then you begin to, when you, you know, first of all, you've got to find a place where your your attention is not compulsively dragged in. Okay, then fortify that attention. Then you can apply that attention to these de- defective programs that can be uh, there either active or latent. When you can stand back and look at it without being sucked into the vortex, is that it? Yeah, absolutely. This quality of careful attention, sometimes called systematic attention, deep attention, wise attention, that's so dominant. You know, you know Buddha would describe his enlightenment, he said, I gave careful attention to this sign in my mind. I gave careful attention to that. Through careful attention, I realized this is the ending of that process. So that runs right through from the day on the street where you get, say, this is not worth looking at. This is worth looking at. Give attention to what's happening in the heart and what's happening in the, in the street. Or, you know, this is more important. From that level, right up to this, you know, refined processes of... of um, of full awakening, so it's a, it's a, you know, and you, you see something that can have very accessible. We can all access to that. We can all access to that careful attention. It's not esoteric. I'm sure we do it quite a bit of the time. We just develop it, develop it, develop it. So that's um, time for a break. Pause.